Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea, helps you break a limiting belief, or encourages you to create thoughts that uplevel your life so that you can know from the deepest parts of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer holistically after surgery without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with spirit so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most aligned, purposeful, and joy-filled life now, and enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome my very, very kind, sweet, badass friend, Jen Kim. Jen is a brand futurist and CEO of Master Brand Institute. And if you don't already know who she is, she is definitely worth the like and the follow. Jen is really the brains behind a lot of beautiful and awesome brands that are launched in the marketplace. And Jen, what I'd love to start with is... Tell me something that you know now that you wish you had known before you got started in your business. Well, first of all, I'm so excited to be here with the Mary D. When I first met you, it was so, I felt synergistic. I hope Mm, you felt the same. same. But anyway, answering your question, something I wish I knew. Oh gosh, so many things. I think the number one thing is that failure is the path to success. Mm. I lived in an Asian home where, you know, me becoming a doctor or something that society says is traditional and successful was kind of what was fed to me. So therefore, I always aim to be top of class, front of the room, all that type of stuff. And so when I became an entrepreneur and started my business, I thought that was what you actually needed. And I realized very quickly (laughs) that failure is not just something you think of that it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Right. And so I would say to my younger self, it's okay to fail. In fact, because you're failing, you're moving forward. Yes. So, yes, so good. So good. I think that a lot of times the paralysis people get stuck in is, well, I can't make a mistake. So let me try to get all my ducks in a row. Let me not be imperfect in just moving forward. And that is actually the complete opposite, right? It's the willingness to like, move forward, even if it's not absolutely perfect. Now, I will say this, you do a beautiful job of coming in and helping brands look much more perfect and developed and give them strategy so that they can actually launch successfully. What's the magic there? How did you wake up one day and you're like, well, I'm just really good at this brand stuff. How do you come to that conclusion? Or were you like clunky? And then one day you're like, no, I'm actually really good at this. I've got my 10,000 hours in. Okay. So I have a long winding story, so I won't tell the whole thing. You know, hit me up on Instagram. We'll talk story. But I will say this. What I do today, I've always done since the beginning of my career. Talk about the 10,000 hours. I think it's probably 100,000 hours. You know, I'm a seasoned chicken, not a spring chicken. 
I didn't ever think I was going to do this. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or in the health profession because I didn't like blood. And when I was younger, you know, in second grade, everybody asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? So everybody in class says, you know, the boys were saying, I want to be a police officer. I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a doctor. And all the girls in my class were saying that they wanted to be teachers and nurses and moms. Mm. And I got up and told Sister Fatima at St. Michael's School, where there was only 17 of us in class. And I said that I wanted to be the general counsel of Coca-Cola International. And if I got in trouble, you guys heard me coming in. I don't like getting in trouble. I like being teacher's pet. I couldn't believe that I got busted for saying that when I was in second grade. And I think about my son because he's in second grade. He's eight right now. And that eight-year-old Jen who felt like, what did I do wrong? And anyway, people always ask, like, how did you know that? I said, well, my grandma, who was an immigrant from the Philippines, she had only a sixth grade education. She used to read the newspaper every morning before we'd go to school. And she would have her Lipton hot tea, peanut butter toast, and the paper. And she would hand the business section to me. And I was like this little kid. And she said, Anak, which means child in Filipino, she'd say, Anak, I don't understand this section, but I think you will. Oh. And that's kind of how I saw the term general counsel. Mm-hmm. And I read headlines about Coca-Cola International. And fast forward you know, to today, I didn't become the top lawyer of the biggest brand in the world, which is what a general counsel of Coca-Cola International is. But I became obsessed with why people get obsessed, why brands move the world. And so I spent the first decade of my career in the corporate world, first in advertising with the biggest agency, Ovalvi, and then ended my career launching big products to the market. My last job was a VP of marketing and strategy at Verizon. And then I jumped off and became my own boss and have been doing that since 2006. And so I figured this stuff, besides I'm obsessed with it, and I start to get good at it and really understand what the market wanted. And I just kept going. And so though I didn't become the general counsel of Coca-Cola International, I directed one of their campaigns back in my corporate days. So it's full circle kind of thing. Yeah, that's got to feel good. So when you've been nurtured into this vision, and you have the ability to live it on a daily basis. Tell me, how do you continue or do you continue to expand your vision within what you're doing? Or do you just kind of sit in the juice of like, this is yummy and this feels good to simmer right here? Or is there next level? Oh, such a good question. It feels good to have been able to work with so many incredible humans and brands and also some not so incredible humans <laughs> and brands and get all of that experience. And it really has made me, I think, a better person mm. just overall, not just a better businesswoman or brand strategist. It's actually made me understand more of who I am mm. and what I really care about, what my values are. And so I would say that just in that self-awareness that my career has given me, that I didn't even realize how much self-awareness it helped me get, Mm. along with, by the way, therapy and coaching, just to let y'all know, I'm not like, (laughs) okay, I'm not that evolved. But, you know, but like looking back at my life and what I do, I am quite pleased with all the ups, downs, crazies. I can go, okay, I did some good freaking work. You know, I'm really excited about the next kind of season of my life. One of the things that I said is once I can succeed at whatever level I said I wanted to succeed in my business, I was like, I really want to find the time to 
canonize what I know and share it with other people Mm -hmm. in a more intentional way. And so I know we've talked about you writing a book and people have been asking me to write a book forever. In my mind, the reason I didn't even move forward besides my focus was I got like five books at me. And so anyway, I am writing my first formal book. I've written a ton of ebooks and lots of content, but my first book. And the whole point of that is I want to be seen now in this season as not the CEO, but the author, the person who's helping reach more people to learn how important it is to build a personal and a product brand, if that's what you want. Yeah. And especially women. So I'm really Mm -hmm. excited because I feel like I've worked in a lot of male dominant rooms and I love men. I'm always saying like, I love men. I've had a lot of great mentors, but I'm for women. I think that women who have had such rich experiences, if more people knew about that, then we could be another inspiring model Mm -hmm. for, hey, I could do that too, or it sparks some inspiration. So I feel like that's my role in the next season. And I'm doing through a platform I call Femfluence. Yes which basically our whole mission is to elevate the affluence and influence of women through owning their wealth, power, and leadership. And my contribution is not just the gathering of those women, but also like sharing transparently everything it took to get to where I'm going. So that's kind of the next level. So I'm excited and nervous and I'm in it. I'm in it, not like thinking about it. So it's all happening. I've had the honor of being part of your femfluence groups as well. More importantly, your, I don't know what we call it because it was a Femfluence retreat. And that was amazing. Just the relationships out of that group of women has been phenomenal. Like, you know, I knew Sloan before, but like, I really know her now. And we have this deep, rich relationship. And the same with Kisma. She was, you know, she's my neighbor practically. And I had to go all the way to France to sit next to her on that dinner that first night just to meet her. And that's another one. And then Christy, like I could go down the list of just these beautiful relationships that I'm so grateful for, in addition to the wisdom that I got from you. And I say this a lot, you know, I definitely had my mentors early on. And as I've gotten older, I have actually found it harder for whatever reason to find people that I go, wow, we're just so completely aligned in all areas. You know, I can usually find one that's maybe spiritually aligned, one that's certain parts of business, but to find sort of that whole person. And so it was a gift to get some coaching from you and for you to just really see me because I feel like you understand human design, you understand brands and people. And you said something to me that was really insightful. And I want everyone to hear this because I think there are a lot of people who are listening, who are entrepreneurs or thinking about entrepreneurialism. And one of the things you said to me was, I was throwing out there like, hey, should I add a product, maybe like a group something? And you're like, "Mm, you know, Mary, you have done a really good job of designing your business around your lifestyle that you want. And it's ease and flow and it's not heavy. And that's part of my projector profile is to not have this like uber heavy hustle profile. It's to have lots of space and lots of rest. And the advice you gave me was, hey, a podcast would do that for you. It allow you to share your wisdom and let the right people be attracted to that, let the right people show up and hear it, and then extend the invitation. And that was beauty. It was like 10 minutes of gold. And I laughed and I went, I guess this is what I came all the way to France to get. And now I'm just going to literally enjoy the rest of the trip because now it's just all connection and relationships and That was really beautiful. So thank you for speaking that. And here we are having you as a guest is extra special for me because you actually spoke this 
across the finish line for me. So thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Whoever's listening or watching, is Mary's voice not just something you want to put in your ears? And I think that's so important and how you ask such insightful questions. And when we met, I was like, you are such a deep, cool ass human. And like, I had heard of you. We have like a lot of mutual interactions. We met through a mutual friend, Marla Mattinson. And I was like, I just feel like everybody needs to learn how to roll like Mary. And so I'm excited and so happy that I'm here getting to talk to you and notice friends how she took action. And that was last year. So it wasn't like you were like, hustle, hustle, hustle. Let's go get this going. You did it on your timeline, yeah, in your space when it made sense for you. And I love that. And I think a great lesson about that is like inspired idea and then build a timeline that works for your lifestyle. That's who you are. And you ruled it out your way. And that I think is so important. Thank you. That's such a beautiful reflection. Thank you so much for that. I received that and I'm, I'm really grateful for it. It was interesting because you're right. That was July. And by November, I started recording. That's when I started sending invitations. I was talking to my team. We were preparing. We had a little bit of a process, of course, for getting people on the show. And I made my list. And that's when we started extending invitations. And I literally started recording. And I remember the very first one, I happened to be in Austin. And I said, you know what? I'm booking a studio. I don't have my mic yet because the team I'm using to help me build my podcast, they were like, well, here's the tools you can use. And I'm like, okay, I want to speed this up. So let me just go into the studio and get this recorded because I felt like as soon as I do one, the momentum is there and you're in it. And that's exactly what I needed. I remember being in the studio and the sound tech was the only other person in the room with my friend Amber and I. And when we stopped recording, he stopped himself and he said, ladies, he goes, I know you have a bigger vision for this. He goes, but I want you to know that today this was for me. He goes, I feel like you were speaking exactly to me and like God was in the room. And I was like, oh, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Your first experience that you just said, I'm going to do it yeah. imperfectly. I'm going to figure it That's out. Right. And then again, you just don't know how many people that you are blessing for, right? you know, that you are helping forward. Right. And a lot of the things that we create today, one other thing that I've learned is that sometimes whatever we're even talking about today won't impact somebody even 20 years. Totally. Now. And that's the cool thing about doing it this way and how we can do it this way. Because just 30 years ago, it wasn't as easy. Right. So I love that. Yes. And just to the people that I know that have also like dropped into my DMs or have hopped on a call with me have been like, Mary, you have this radio voice. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. I'm pretty sure that's a compliment. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. So talk to me about the future. Jen, you are a futurist. And I know that you have, you know, dropped a couple lists about the future. But what's the number one thing people should know? It's currently mid-2023. What's happening? What's in the future? Yeah. Obviously, at the time of this recording, Artificial intelligence, AI has its most momentum that it's had. I mean, AI has been around for, honestly, guys, like 70 years. Right. But in terms of momentum, it's here. And so one thing that I want to say is if you either are excited about AI or you're scared of AI, the good news is, is you're a human. I just want to go to that. And that HI and AI, so human intelligence and artificial intelligence can coexist in a beautiful way together going forward. And so 
In order for that to happen for you, though, you have to get in touch with your humanity and ask yourself, how can I contribute? How can I also then use AI as a tool to help me become more efficient in an authentic way? And what that also means is gathering and belonging, because one of our deepest desires is to be seen, to belong, to feel part of something. That's not even a futurist thing. That's just a baseline human emotion. Mm-hmm. But I think with the conversation around AI and automation and efficiency becoming more and more prevalent, I want you to remember who you are and ask yourself in this world, what's my greatest contribution? Like, what can I bring skills, talents, gifts, capabilities? And how can I use AI for me not to replace me? Mm. Okay, because I think that's the biggest fear for humans. And I don't think that AI can replace us at all. And it will if we don't have the mindset and that, oh, now that we have all this, for example, chat GPT at this time is like the most popular thing to use for copywriting and whatever. And being somebody who does branding, strategy, marketing, copy, I'm like, it should help copywriters or people who help promote you or message you do research, mm. to do research for you, become like a virtual assistant for you instead of replacing brand voice, brand energy all the things. And so I think having the discernment and understanding that there truly is a discernment required, it's not an or thing, it's an and Mm -hmm. thing. And that again, human intelligence in my mind will always be artificial intelligence in terms of moving our society forward. And people who build brands, people who are brave, I think entrepreneurs are the bravest people on the planet. Whatever we have now is because somebody crazy like us decided we got to fix that, or that's a void that we need to be you know, solved for. And same, same. We're still going to have those innovative things that will fix a lot of our problems, not just technology, but world problems, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's clean water or hunger or whatever, whatever you care about, right? We need your energy. So from a futurist perspective, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, seven, like I'm paraphrasing because I don't know the actual stat, but it's something like, of jobs are going to be replaced by AI. And why that actually excites me is a lot of people who are in crappy jobs that they probably have great ideas will have more, I think, motivation to then not work in a job that's a rote type of job and decide, oh, I can use my brain for something else. I can use my heart for something else. If they have the mindset that that's where we're going. And so the more we, in my mind, talk about it, assuming people agree with me on this, you know, whoever agrees with me on this future outlook, the more we can shepherd more people in. Because it's not about individualism. Mm -hmm. It's about collectivism. But it takes individuals to move the collective. That's what branding does. It takes individual products or people to move the collective. And so I want to encourage anybody listening to like, be willing to be seen and heard because that's what we need from you. I love it. I love it. When chat GPT first came out, I remember I was like, let me do something simple, like have it rewrite my bio. And I remember it actually didn't write me a better bio. And I I was pretty impressed with myself. I was like, okay, not yet, AI. Actually, I was like, oh, I could write this better. But again, it's more like if you need a head start, gives you a little structure so that then you can add your voice to it and make it you. Yeah. So I was thinking about kids these days and how information has changed so rapidly. Like I remember opening an encyclopedia and learning how to play chess from opening an encyclopedia. And that's where we had to go get our research for our paperwork. And now you can pretty much Google 
anything. And now that you have AI, you can deeper dive into research and unfortunately, some misinformation as well. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this unfolds. I'm excited for it. I was just at a music festival mastermind and I got to be part of helping create it. And one of the things that we had was a fractal droid on the stage and it was built with AI. So this giant droid on the stage actually talks back to you. And we had this session where people are asking the droid questions and the way she answered, I have to say it was so empathetic. And that was fascinating to me because in my mind, I think about like Siri or Google or any of those applications, you know, they're clunky, right? Like you ask them a question and they're a little clunky. They're a little off. They haven't really grabbed the information. Whereas AI is actually do, 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 do back there, searching the internet, searching all the avenues and then spitting out some information. That was very fascinating. My best answer from my appliances at home for the question, where do I find good quality men to date was the library. And that was terrible advice because I went to the library and nobody was there except for women and children. And so I asked this fractal droid the same question and she gave me this really beautiful answer. But at the end of the answer, it was basically that I'm going to find someone aligned with me within my community. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, I like that. I like that. Because, of course, in your communities where you'll find the most aligned souls most of the time. And I thought, okay, she's pretty accurate there. So all this interesting stuff with AI. So without AI, without technology, when we think back to to love, let's talk about that subject a little bit, because this is another one where I feel like we have some parallels. What do you know now about love and relationships that you wish you had known when you were 18? Oh my gosh, again, so much. Okay, so I'm just going to out myself in terms of, you know, when we talk about like, what are the four areas of your life that you really care about? It's health, wealth, self, and relationships. And I felt like relationships, that was the area I was very weak at. And like when boys liked me when I was little, when I was saying little, you know, like fifth grade, when it's cute, when it's like there's a school dance, I'd always be like, oh, so awkward. Like just have always been awkward. And I don't know why, but I think people assume that I was like such a pro at, I don't know, all that stuff. And I really wasn't. And so when I think about me being at 18, this is the God honest truth. Basically, if you said you liked me, if you were brave enough to come to me and say, I like you, I would date you. I didn't have a list of like filters to think through. So when I look back and I say like, what do I know now versus 18-year-old Jen? It'd be like, oh no, you should have intentionality at Mm. least about (laughs) you know, what you're looking for. It doesn't have to be, you know, some people say be very specific. I think in this realm, being that specific can actually hurt you because Mm -hmm. you don't even know what you like, Mm -hmm. just like business until you try things on. Yep. I didn't even know how to date Mary V. So I'd be like, oh, we're dating. Oh, we must be together. It must be a serious relationship. Let's get married kind of thing. I'm serious. That's who I was at 18. I learned that that's not the way to choose a husband Mm -hmm. or a serious Mm -hmm. relationship. I felt like I was so good at everything else. Like, oh, I had my career sites. I worked out. I took care of my body. I always like invested in therapy since I was 15 by my own choice. So those types of things were always like something I felt pretty good about, like working on me. Mm. 
But being in relationship with someone else, ooh, awkward, weird, don't know how to navigate that. And I honestly don't think I got what I consider like baseline good at it till I was like 33. Oh. <laughs> so between 18 and 33, I had a lot of what I'd call pain in that realm mm. because nothing against my ex-husband. You know, we produced two beautiful daughters together. He's not a bad person, but I really chose someone who was not compatible with me. Mm. And I think when we're young and we don't have that type of mentorship or a model, for right. it, which I didn't, right? boy, you can make some life choices that ooh, can like really change the trajectory of what's going on in your life. And so I admit, I just wasn't good at it. And now I think I am better at it. Not definitely never perfect at anything because of the intentionality, all the therapy I got around it, me admitting mm. that I wasn't good at it mm. to people. Like I was like, Y'all think I'm good at this? I am not good at this. Like, oh, you have all these suitors and people who want to date you. I'm like, I don't even know who's who and what's what and what, why would they want to be with me? I had such low self-esteem when it came to dating, when it came to business, when it came to anything I was like going after, no problems, very confident. But in that realm, I wasn't. And I do think that the things that you're not confident in, part of that is where you want to go look for the right models. And that's what I've learned. Be searching for and be available because I'm a projector too. Mm -hmm. right? So I know even design-wise, we're supposed to wait for the invitation. Right. But part of how to get the invitation is being available for it. Right. Like I'm available for the person who's going to help me do this better or help me navigate or hold my hand through the way. And that's around 33. That's when I started focusing on that. Like, oh, I want to be good at relationships. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? This is actually very common, especially amongst even our high achieving entrepreneurs who are like, wow, I'm really good at business but I'm not great at picking a partner. I'm really good at this, not good at that. And relationships is definitely a big one. And I've seen a lot of wonderful, badass, entrepreneurial women who are like, I want partnership, but I don't know where to look or where to go. And part of it is modeling for sure. One thing I think that has come up for me through my journey, mine is very similar, is that it's Almost looking at it sometimes like a business. Think about a well-run business and think about your favorite clients. They're the most aligned. And so the same with partnership. It's someone who's incredibly aligned, that your core values are just so aligned. Once your core values are aligned, it doesn't matter if one of you wants chicken one night and the other one wants sushi. Like, you'll sort it out. If that's your biggest problem, then hallelujah. And also just the check-ins, right, in the cadence. We do it in business. We check in with our team. We have team meetings. We have board meetings. We have advisory meetings. We strategize. We talk about what's next. What's the vision? What's the mission? What's the purpose? And relationships require just that same level of depth because they're check-ins. They're the way that we connect. They're the way that we go, oh, are we on track? Or are we off track? If you never have a meeting with your team, eventually that communication is definitely going to break down and people are going to be frustrated. Not any different in a relationship. We have to have the check-ins. We have to know where we're going. We have to know what's up. We have to spend some time together. So I think that those principles are the ones that I go, hmm, there's clearly a pattern and a parallel here. I remember years ago, I was living in Houston and I was at Lakewood Church. It's a Joel Osteen's church. And that same day, I also went to an Alicia Keys concert. So it was really interesting to go to the production of this church and then go to like a music production. Even though the show was, Alicia Keys is amazing, by the way. It's a great show. But the production value was so different. 
because that church had it down and they ran that like they were serious. They had the cameras flying around and they were on a schedule, but there was a clear message. It was succinct. It was within kind of the 30 minute time frame. He was consistent with his like blessing and his prayer. And I was like, this is really well run. Volunteers, parking. I mean, just the way they had it done. And I was like, this is why it's literally across the board, whether you're running a community like a church, whether you're running a business, whether you're running a relationship, there are some normal things within that that are parallels that you can look at and go, oh, I see it. I see how these things are pillars. Yeah. They have a plan. Yeah. They have clarity around how to execute that plan. They have probably measurement and have enrolled the team, if you will, into making the production at that level of quality. And I love that you've mentioned this because people have asked my husband and I, I'm remarried. And I will say that, I mean, I hope that it continues to be awesome. But as of this recording, it is awesome. And the reason it's awesome is because of exactly what you said. We strategic plan our relationship every 90 days. We go away for a day, not necessarily because we're very busy. So we're not necessarily going, oh, let's get on a flight and go away for a week. That would be great. And we have done that. But really, it's more of a commitment every 90 days to review our agreements with each other. And are they still working? And for example, when I had a baby at age 40, it was like, okay, he was like, I don't want a stranger to watch my child. I was like, well, are you going to quit your job? Because I'm not. <laughs> right? right. And I was like, oh, great. Here I go. Second round, having a kid with somebody. And now we're going to get divorced. And literally, I can become very fatalistic oh. when I'm like, oh. this used to be me. I used to be very fatalistic. And I noticed that pattern. And he was like, oh, if we're not getting along, then it's just not going to work. You know? And what I realized is like, wait a minute, because before I even got pregnant, we were in a relationship. So we had already been doing the quarterly relationship planning. And I said, so maybe we need to look at our agreements. Because he was working at, you know, the medical center, he was a surgery tech, he was making multiple six figure salary. And I had my business. And I was like, I'm not going to be a stay at home mom, not that there's anything wrong with that. But that's just not my jam. And he was like, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know, maybe you should come to me with a proposal about it. Like, how do you want to solve this problem? Because you're the one with the issue. I have two daughters and they were in daycare. I didn't love that they were. I wanted more flexibility, but I was young, hungry and broke. I needed to make money. So I was fine. That was a different season of my life. This season, we definitely had more financial resources, more flexibility. But I was like, even back then, I wouldn't be a stay-at-home mom. I would have been horrible. My kids would like want to kick me out. Oh. That. I'm big on presence. Yes. Not presence. Well, both. I like both. I like presence with presence being with them. And I also like giving gifts because I love, this is fun for me. And it was such a critical conversation in our relationship. And then you know what he did? He was like, okay, I'm going to think this through. And he came to me. He's like, well, the only other thing I can think of is besides asking one of our moms to kind of live with us for a while which I was like, no, that ain't happening, um, was he's like, I could leave my job. And I was like, that's a great idea. And he was so surprised because I think society, my husband's also Asian, Filipino. He was brought up to be the breadwinner and like take care of the family right. in whatever and financially. And I was like, I love this idea. Let's try it on. That's my thing. I just say, let's try it on. Yeah. It might not fit forever. Yeah. But let's try it on. 
And honestly, since that moment, we decided that my son is now in second grade, he's eight. He never went back to traditional work. He just started his own side business and then started another one because he's very creative and he can basically fix anything. And he builds Jeeps and builds motorcycles and he has a graphic design business because now our son can't kill himself. He can actually microwave food and like, you know, (laughs) refine without us completely. Now that he is really fully, of course, he needs our support and all that, but he doesn't rely 100% on us anymore to keep him alive. So now we're like, okay, next strategic planning, what's next for us? Are we being both individually nourished and also together feeling like we're nourished? By the way, this strat planning doesn't solve everything, but it definitely clarifies Mm -hmm. things, right? It creates the healthy tension required to close a loop that's open in our heads. So anyway, it's worked for us. I love that you talked about that because it's true. My mom used to say to me, don't treat me like I'm your employee because she'd call me and I'd be like, mom, I have about 20 minutes till my next call. I'm glad we're here. Let's talk. And she'd be like, don't treat me like a meeting agenda item. And I'm like, mom, can we just focus on that? We have 20 minutes together. And I had to change the way my, even my family looked at the way that I was like, this is why I'm successful in business. Why wouldn't I apply it to my personal life? You know what I mean? So anyway, I love that you brought that forward because yes. that is something I actually haven't talked about a lot. So you asked a great question because hopefully this will help somebody take the pressure off yes. of trying to be different in your life relationships than your business relationships. You know what I mean? Yep. Like they're actually the same because they matter. Yes. And it's just creating a plan, a plan and having a framework for execution. Most people are very clunky on not having a plan. So this is a great place to start. Really good place. Yes. Thank you for answering those questions. Jen, thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for being vulnerable and sharing and just showing up as yourself as always. I want everyone out there to know that Jen does have a free gift for you today. It is called the Archetype Influence Mix and the links are in the show notes. Jen, do you want to say a couple words about that so they know what they have to look forward to? Since we opened up the conversation with what I do in the world, and many entrepreneurs are listening in or aspiring ones, this particular gift is the full archetype influence mix that we use with clients who pay us honestly millions of dollars to figure out what their brand voice is. So I hope that it serves you. You actually get reports with it. It's not some type of clickbait kind of quiz. It actually gives you a full report of how your personality drives your brand voice, and then you can apply it to your messaging, which at the end of the day, I always tell people, most people don't have a marketing problem. They have a messaging problem. And so it helps you communicate how you help people. So I hope it serves you and definitely let me know. Yes. And so you all know I have used it as well. My primary is lover. And most of you know, that's how I show up. (laughs) Amazing. Again, thank you, Jen Kim. I appreciate you so much. You. You are such a light in the world. And I love the work that you're doing. Keep on keeping on. And we'll see you in the future at another FemFluence event. Thank you for joining us on today's show. You can connect with me more at www.maryd.com. You can also catch us on YouTube at The Mary D Show. Head over to social media. You'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mary D. Just look for the little blue check mark to ensure you're on my official page and not a copycat. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. 